plunging? Is your soul in need of such a bath? Because we know life gets muddy, life gets dirty. And as we look at what is happening in the world today, we see wars. Israel and Hamas is at war. We see the Ebola crisis in West Africa, the persecution of Christians and, and other minority faiths in Iraq. Even the many issues in our own country, we see them. The prayers of God's people are needed. But are we praying? Are we praying? Do, do our prayers get outside the bubble of our own life and make it toward the nation that needs them? Prayer is the inner bath of love into which the soul plunges itself. It's not a cash cow that allows us to milk God for all material blessings, physical blessings that we want. It's not a plan B when all other plans fail. It's not I get out of jail free card when life gets hard. You see, we, we, we have to use prayer the right way. Do you? How do you use prayer in your life? How is it functioning in your life? Jesus wants us to use it the right way. And in Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8, he gives us a picture of what that looks like. Here's the words of our Savior. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Let us pray. Father, I need your Spirit, Lord, to come and to remind my own heart of the right way to use prayer to even convict my heart for the ways that I misuse it as well. As I often pray, Lord, we can't do anything apart from your spirit. Nothing happens apart from his work. And so we pray to him, we cry out to him to come and speak truth into our life, into our souls, into our hearts. Not just our minds, but into our hearts, Lord. Our hearts, Lord, are wicked, deceitful above all things. And the word of God is what it needs today. And only your spirit can apply it. And we call upon him to do just that at this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The right way to pray. First, Jesus shows us that this means that those who pray rightly, those who pray the right way, those prayers must be directed in the right place. Prayer must be rightly directed. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. And what is a hypocrite? And in this context, it refers to an individual who does the right thing for the wrong reason. 
does the right thing for the wrong reason. This prayer is good, right? But when you do it for the wrong reasons, it's not good. A hypocrite is a, is a person who is completely blind to the reality that they're, they're doing something for the wrong reasons. Prayer is good, but not when it's done for the wrong reasons. Jesus says, the hypocrite loves to stand and pray in the synagogues in the street corners. They intentionally position themselves in certain spots so they can be seen by people. So they can be seen by other people. They want other people to see how righteous they are. How holy they are. Again, doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. This is like you. Going to serve with LVM. But you call all the friends, you call the newspaper down so they can see you doing it. So they can write a good story. Not on what's happening there, but on how good you are serving at LVM. Serving at LVM is a good thing. But when you do it for self-glory, it's not. It's not. Praying in public, is that bad? It's not bad. It's all about attitude. Your reason for doing it. The hypocrite in our text is motivated by pride and the desire to be above others. To be seen and glorified by others. Prayer is being used for a tool for self-promotion. Self-glory. And man's praise is the reward that is desired. That's why they're doing it. Not to pray for God, but for self-glory. To make themselves look good. And Jesus says, when you do that, you got what you wanted. You got what you wanted. It wasn't what you were praying for. It was for the glory. It was for man's praise. And when they praise you, you got what you wanted. Your reward is given to you. The hypocrite's prayer is wrongly directed. It's directed towards self. It's directed to the person's own goodness, the person's own righteousness. Look at me. Look how good I am. Look at my prayer. But what about me? Because we can beat up on the, the Pharisees in the Gospels. But what about us? What about me? Is your prayer rightly directed today? We're praying for others to see how spiritual we are. If we do that, we have received our reward. James 4 says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your own passions. Our prayers have to be rightly directed, not directed to our own goodness or even for our own selfish desires and pursuits, like praying for more creature comforts. I mean, I like creature comforts. I do. I like to be comfortable. We all do, particularly Americans. But prayer is more than just that. It's more than just that. Luke tells us, in Luke 18, he gives us an example of what prayer looks like when it's wrongly directed. And many of you know that Luke 18, verses 9 through 14, Jesus tells a parable to illustrate a, a point. It's a parable about two men going up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, one a tax collector. The Pharisee standing at the temple by himself, he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. 
I'm not a robber. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not even like the tax collector standing next to me. Thank you, God, that I'm not like that. I fast twice a week, Lord. I give a tenth, a tithe of all I get. Of all I get, I give a tithe of it. This is who I am, Lord. Look at me. Thank you that I'm not like other people. Thank you that I'm not like my neighbor or my co-worker or the pagans who don't know Jesus and don't go to church on Sunday. Thank you that I'm not like them. Thank you, Jesus. But on the other side, you have a tax collector standing far off. The tax collector wouldn't even look up in the heavens. He beat his chest and he says, God, be merciful to me. A sinner. A sinner. And Jesus says, the tax collector went home justified, and the other man did not. Everyone who would exalt himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Do you see the difference between the two prayers, the two approaches? One is rightly directed, one is wrongly directed. Now, we all know we can't have 100% pure motives. We all know that because of sin. But are you aware where your motives are in prayer? Can you see it? Or are you blind by your heart? Does your heart blind you? You can't repent of things that you can't see. So ask the Holy Spirit to help you to see your heart. To show you those things that your heart tried to hide from you. And then you take those things to the throne of grace and repent of them. You see, self-righteousness, it blinds us. Just like the Pharisee. It waters down our prayer life. It does. Because you don't think you're needy when you're self-righteous. You don't think you have issues. And it influences where you pray. God doesn't want our pride. He wants our humility. Humility. Not our pride. Humility. Not perfection, but humility. What the tax collector says, have mercy on me. A sinner. So we should pray not like the hypocrites, but we should be almost like the tax collector here. Because prayer that is rightly directed is directed toward God in an attitude of humility. A humble and contrite heart is what God desires before Him. When you pray, are you humble before Him? It will show Him what you ask of Him. Are you humble before him in spirit? Verse 6, Jesus says, When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And and this is basically him saying, spirit of humility. It ain't about you. Prayer helps you, but it ain't about you. Prayer is not supposed to be a display of, of my reputation of my glory, but of my humility before my Father. My humility before Him. And prayer is not a campaign flag for for self-promotion. It's really a flag of surrender. It's you waving the right flag before God saying, I surrender, Lord, to you. To all that you are, to all you have over my life, I surrender to you to your goodness, to your sovereignty, to your providence over me. I surrender to it all. It's hard. 
But I surrender. Are you surrendering? You're surrendering to something. But is it Jesus? What do you wave the flag to? What are you surrendering to? It has to be him. When you wave this flag of prayer, you're surrendering the well-being and care of your life to God. Not just your life. Life for your kids. Life for your future. Everything you say, I'll surrender it to you. I'll surrender it to your humility. R.T. France says, the essence of prayer is communion of the disciple with his father. The essence of prayer is communion of the disciple with his father. Think about that. You ever thought about prayer as a way to commune with God? To commune with your father? When was the last time your prayer life could be seen as communion with God? Or was it you just going to God to get stuff? I'm in the jam. I got a test tomorrow. I've got an interview tomorrow. Pray and get up. Do you commune with him? Do you fellowship with him? Is your heart connecting with him when you pray? It should be. It should be. The essence of prayer is communion with the disciple, with his father. Solitude of heart is what the Father wants of us. David says in Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. You have to pray for such a heart. You can't make that happen. You can't put that in a checklist in daytime. Today I'm going to have a broken heart. Today I'm going to have a broken spirit before God. You can fake it, like the Pharisee. But are you asking him, the Father, to to work that in you? Prayer that is rightly directed to God exercises humility before him. And as a church, we have to have this type of humility before God. Humility before him. We, We can't just coast along in gifts. We can't just coast along in resources. We have to be humble before him as a church, members, visitors, elders, leaders. We have to have communion with God in prayer about this church, about our lives, about our families. It has to be part of who we are, part of our DNA. Not just something that we add on to our faith. It has to be part of us. Is it part of you? Or is it just something you go to when you're in a jam? It has to be part of who you are. Prayer that is rightly directed has an has a, has a attitude of humility. Second, Jesus tells us that prayer must be intentionally confident. Prayer must be intentionally confident. Verse 8. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. We are not to heap up empty phrases like Gentiles. And in our context, Gentiles are referring to those individuals who worship and serve a false god 
are idle. Their prayers to a false god are empty. They're just senseless Bible. And their many words, they're crying out, they're begging and pleading, is not heard. One of my seminary professors says, quoting on this verse, he says, Pagans use many words because he's bewildered. Have I found the right God? He is anxious. Does this God know my needs? And he is devious. How long would it take to wear the God down? That's what pagans do. Those who worship false gods cannot be confident about their prayers. They cannot be confident that their prayers are heard because they're not. They're bewildered. They're anxious. They're devious because their gods are not dependable. What about your God? Yahweh Elohim. Is he dependable? Does he listen to you? Does he hear you? Is he alive and well? Yes, he is. Prayer is dependent upon the one you pray to. Now, if you're praying to a piece of wood, those prayers are worthless. They're praying to an idol, those prayers are not heard. But we don't worship an idol. We don't worship a piece of wood. We don't worship a statue. We worship the one true God. And when we pray, our prayers are heard. But it has to come back to, do you believe it? Do you believe God hears your prayers? In the places where you really live, do you believe when you pray that he listens to you? Or do you think he's far off and he's turned a dead ear to you? He has not turned a dead ear to you. If you are his, if you have saving faith in Christ, then when you kneel and pray to him, he hears you. He sees you. And he knows what you need before you ask him. An example of this is, is given in, in 1 Kings 18 when the prophet Elijah had a confrontation with 450 bell prophets on Mount Carmel. And I'm sure many of you know uh, that story. The prophets of, of Baal, they, they, they got a bull, they prepared it, and they called out on the name of Baal from morning until noon, crying out to him, O Baal, answer us. O Baal, answer us. But guess what? No voice. No answer. And so they leaped around the altar all the more. And at noon, Elijah, he, he began to mock them. He said, cry aloud. If he's a God, is he amusing himself? Is he relieving himself? Is he on a journey? Perhaps he's asleep and you need to wake him up. So he mocks them. Where is your God? Where is he? So they crowd out all the more. They even cut themselves trying to appease their God. At midday passed, they offered a sacrifice. But guess what? No voice, no answer, no one paid attention. They heaped up empty phrases to Baal, begging, pleading with him to answer their prayers. They even cut themselves, but he did not come. He did not come. Not so without God. And Elijah knew this. And the text says, Elijah called all the people to himself. Come near to me. And the people came near to him. And Elijah prepared an altar of the Lord 
that he had built. He took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of Israel, tribes of sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench around the altar, as great as would contain three gallons of water. And he put wood in order and cut the bulls into pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill jars with water and pour it on the wood. Pour it on the burnt offering. He said, do it a second time, just to make sure it's wet, basically. And they did it a second time. He said, no, I want you to do it a third time. Make sure the wood is good and wet. At a time of the offering, Elijah came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that you are and that your servant and have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me, that these people may know that, O Lord, that you, O Lord, are God. That you, O Lord, are God. And guess what happened? Fire of the Lord fell down, consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And all the people saw it, and they fell on their faces, and they said this, Yahweh is Elohim. Yahweh is Elohim. Yahweh is God. Do you see? Do you, do, do you, when you read that story, do you think it's just a fairy tale, or do you believe that actually happened? That happened. Or is this a story? That happened. Do you believe that same God can still do those things today? Or is that just something that you're detached from? Because it's in the Old Testament. What do you believe about your God? He answers prayers. I'm evident of that. My life is evident of that. I'm sure your life is too. Because of who He is, you can be confident in your prayer life. You can be bold in your prayer life because of who He is. Because he's good. Because he's sovereign. Because he's merciful. Because he's a provider. Yes, he because of who he is, you can be confident in your prayer life. Thank you, Lord. He knows what you need before you ask him. I love that. He knows what you need before you ask him. And when you hear that, you just like, he's in tune with my life. My life is in rhythm with my God. He knows what you need. And when you hear that, is it water off your back, sand in your hands, or does it encourage you? Does it encourage you? Do you know? You think about it. Out of all the faiths in the world, we are the only one that has a God that hears us when we pray. There are many faiths, many religions in the world do you realize ours is the only one where the God is not made of wood? Who is alive and well, who hears you when you pray? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? As a believer, you have the assurance 
that your Heavenly Father has your best interest at heart. Has your best interest at heart whenever you pray to Him. I know what you're thinking. If God already know what I need, then why should I pray? <laughs> right? If you already know what I need, then why do I need to pray about it? Why do I need to pray about it? Here's why. Because it shows your dependency upon Him. That's why. It shows you're humble and before Him. That's why. One of my professors says also, my seminary says, prayer releases the blessings of God, changes lives, it builds up churches, it brings revival to communities and even nations. The cries of significant members of society really can have a transforming effect on that society. The cries of insignificant members of society really can have a transforming effect on that society. Do you believe it? Do you believe your prayers for West Africa are, makes a difference, are needed? Do you believe that? Do you believe that your prayers for, for peace between Israel and Hamas can have a, an effect, that God can hear that prayer? Do you believe it? Do you believe your prayers for our brothers and sisters who are dying on the mountain at this moment for lack of food makes a difference for them? Do you believe it? Or are we just coasting by? Prayers matter. I'm a believer today because of the prayers of my mother. She prayed for us endlessly. I, before I even came to believe she would pray for us every night. And I believe on him, I'm here where I am because God answered her prayer. And many of you can say the same thing. You're here because your mother prayed for you or your father prayed for you. Prayer matters. It does. We need it. It shows our dependency upon Him. Here's my definition of prayer. It's, prayer is humility before God and it's dependency upon God. Humility before God and dependency upon God as well. And my encouragement to, to each of you as you go out this week, as you go out for your business and school, don't forget to pray. Don't forget to go to your Father. Don't forget to pray for the nations. Don't forget to pray for your neighbor. Don't forget to pray for those that are suffering, those who are in need of salvation. Prayer is one of the most powerful tools and weapons we have as a Christian, and we cease to use it because we forget that our enemy is not flesh and blood. We forget that. We forget that our enemy is not flesh and blood. It's the evil one. Spiritual forces of evil. If you want to engage that, then you better get on your knees and pray about it. Otherwise, you won't survive it. You want to endure what's coming? You want to endure to the very end? Then you better get on your knees and pray about it. That the Spirit will help you to resist. The Spirit will help you to stand firm. You gotta pray about it. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that even though prayer is hard and we struggle to do it, you even know that as well. 
And I pray for all of us that we don't beat ourselves up. We just repent and we just don't stop praying. Even though we may struggle to do it, we continue to go back to it. And I do pray for everyone that you watch over them today, watch over them this week. I pray for our kids that they go back to school on Monday. You watch over them. I pray your blessings of, over those of us who are sick, struggling, need jobs that you provide. And Lord, I pray for our brothers and sisters in Iraq and others who are suffering and struggling right now that you, Lord, will provide healing. And I pray for our president. I pray for our country that you give them wisdom. We live in dark times. We live in dark times. We live in a world that is filled with evil. There is evil, but there is also good. And his name is Jesus. And I pray that, Jesus, you will show that there is still a God and he is alive and well. Show yourself faithful. Move, Lord. Move. Provide what needs to be provided. That people would know that our God is the God. In your son's name I pray. Amen.